0: It is a sport as old as man itself. From the ancient Greeks, to the British Empire, all the way to the Gracie family, men and women have partaken in this art of combat, with the promise of honor and glory in mind. Now, WFUV Sports will bring you into that realm, with in-depth analysis and opinions on the goings on in the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. This is the WFUV Sports Pound for Pound Podcast. What a year it's been, Tom. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Well,
1: it's it's been a great year. You know, we cover two sports on this show. It's been a great year for one, and then not so much for the other.
0: Well, as the Beatles said, it is getting better, and it will be getting better, and the show... Will not be getting better because it is still because it remains great. This it is remains the great. Gu- there
1: there's no room for improvement this when is... it comes to this show.
0: <laughs> so of course. This is the WFEV Sports Pound for
1: Pound podcast. And technically this is your first show back because the last show we did was uh was, Matt and I.
0: Yes, I was unable to perform my duties in that show. So
1: I don't think you should underplay this. This is your return. This oh is a big boy. deal.
0: This isn't quite like uh I, I the return of George Foreman or anything, (laughs) but this is December 29th, and this is our year-end Jamboree special.
1: Jamboree. Haven't heard that one used in years.
0: Where we will take you throughout the year of boxing and mixed martial arts. We will give out our year-end awards, which are quite coveted.
1: Oh, I'm sure the fighters are waiting with bated breath to hear if they got our year-end award.
0: I wouldn't blame them, and we will preview the last major card of the year, UFC 207, which is tomorrow. Tomorrow night, New Year's Eve Eve. New Year's Eve Eve on a Friday night. A rare Friday night card. Well, because they wanted to avoid the New Year's Eve. Yes, the college football playoff and the... Festivities. The
1: festivities, as well, because I'm not sure if I would have been able to sit down and watch the pay per view if it was on New Year's Eve. I'm a busy man. I have party plans. Oh you boy! Know how it is.
0: Oh boy! Stop overplaying. You. Stop <laughs> overplaying yourself. All right, let's get down to it because we've got a bit to get to. Uh, the year in fight sports will begin with an award that I'm looking forward to giving out, and an award that has a lot of competition this year. Our biggest steroid user of the year <laughs> in both sports. I, I think I'll I'll take this one because this is an easy one. I'll take the boxing one at the very least because it's Alexander Povetkin. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Let's recap. May, he's supposed to fight Big D, Deontay Wilder. Test positive, bout scrapped. November, he's supposed to fight St- Stiverne. And he tests positive, and that bout is scrapped. But the wonderful nation of Russia decided that, you know what, let's have a fight anyway. Let's
1: still give him a fight anyway, so let's give him a journeyman who I don't even remember his name. Let's
0: fight Duhalpas. A a joke. And knock him out while you're broided up. And Uh, and the
1: guy got the fight on, like, two weeks' notice, if that. So, (laughs) I I mean... he came in as such a hyped prospect, too, Povetkin. Man. And
0: he's delivered for the most part. Yeah, His one loss was that loss to Klitschko, but...
1: I mean, everybody lost to Klitschko I mean... before Fury. But he's, he's a great prospect, and maybe even above a prospect at this point, because oh, yeah. he's been around for a long time. You get the biggest fight of your career aside from Klitschko against Deontay Wilder, you ruin it. Then you get another semi-big fight against Bermain Stiverne, ruin it again. It's like you have the raw talent. What is the need to cheat? at this point
0: uh well
1: winning
0: y- y- winning <laughs> that's one of them yeah russians and steroids uh they've yeah. gone
1: hand in hand lately it's been a close marriage for but, many uh, years but
0: congratulations to povetkin he is the pound for pound steroid user of the year in the sport of boxing i bet you
1: he's very happy to get that award i'm sure he was waiting to see if he would he thought he was gonna get like fighter of the year <laughs> and, and he ended up with steroid user. and
0: for the ufc i think this one's obvious
1: Brock Lesnar,
0: the beast incarnate. Brock Lesnar,
1: as Paul Heyman would say,
0: there was a lot of competition. In oh goodness. Of You know, somebody's a lot of
1: competition. Somebody who was never caught, or at least he was caught, but it's not really like publicized. Uriah Faber, he could be probably uh, thrown. Not Uriah Faber, Uriah. Um, the, Hall, Guy Hall, excuse me, the Soldier of God. No, no, he, Yo, Yoel Romero, excuse me.
0: Yeah, Yoel yes. Romero, even though he wasn't caught this year, He's never caught this uh, year. But
1: we saw him against Chris Weidman at two hundred five, and oh my goodness, Chris Cyborg, he did not look human.
0: You've got Chris Cyborg. You've got Josh Barnett recently. There's there's a whole host of others. John Jones, of course.
1: Jones, who but had his problems aside from steroids. Brock Lesnar,
0: takes the cake because the UFC waived... The four-month testing period for Brock Lesnar. Most fighters have to take four months of random drug tests before they can even step into the cage. They waived that for him because he took it on short notice and was so and was absent from the sport for so long. Not only does he test positive in the weeks before the fight, after he tests positive, he tests right positive during fight week. Right. He wasn't even hiding it, and it's not like, and, and I mean. It's embarrassing for him. The WWE is supposed to test for this stuff as well, so well, it sort actually, of embarrassed
1: them as well. To, to get a little bit into WWE <laughs> for a second, because they consider uh, Brock Lesnar a part-time performer, he does not have to get drug tested. Oh, I remember boy. reading a report about that. So guys like Triple H or Brock Lesnar, anyone that's considered a part-timer or The Rock, they are not subject to WWE's testing policy, so he's probably been juicing... To the nines in these appearances for WWE. So he thought they waived the testing policy for me in UFC. Why not continue doing it?
0: He could have juiced for five years straight and nobody would have caught it. But you know what? He chose to do it. Leading up to his beatdown of Mark Hunt and the Beast Incarnate. Who will likely never step foot in the cage again is our UFC steroid. I think CM user Punk is year. more
1: likely to uh, step in the <laughs> UFC cage again than uh, Brock Lesnar.
0: I think they're more likely to reenact their match against each other in a real UFC cage <laughs> than for either of them to step into the cage Let's again. Let's just
1: say there's not a lot of likeliness at all in this scenario. All
0: right. Biggest breakout
1: star. Breakout star. Well, uh,. You mentioned before we went on air that there are once again a lot of different possibilities for this award.
0: Yes, they are, and we'll do this one for both the fisticuffs and the mixing of the martial arts. For my UFC breakout star, and I'll take boxing. After yes, that. you will. I will go with the Black Beast, Derek Lewis.
1: One of the cooler nicknames out there.
0: Oh, he! Every time he steps in. It's just pain. It's just pure pain for the opponents, not for us.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's nice for us. He
0: won, I believe, four times this year. Yeah, and his fight in Albany, he lost the first three rounds. He was a he main evented Albany. First three rounds rounds were bad rounds. He lost it at no point in that fight that I think he was going to lose. No, I- and guess what? He pounces in the fourth. And he is fighting Travis Brown. Is he fighting Travis Brown? I believe he is. Yeah. Yes, he is fighting Travis Brown in Brooklyn in a fight that we will both be attending. Right. And that I am excited for. Your Christmas
1: present to us.
0: Oh, yes. And I am very excited for that. But for his victories, for his dominance, beating the big country Roy Nelson, for winning four times this year and breaking out onto the scene... The Black Beast, Derek Lewis, is my breakout star of the year, although Mickey Gall was very close.
1: Mickey Gall had to have been close, and his last victory really was a legitimate one. But as much as the CM Punk victory brought him a lot of notoriety, that also kind of hurt him, I think, in terms of competing for the award. I mean, that's not a legitimate fight. Well, it raises his profile, though. It raised his profile, but you have people that had four legitimate victories, and then you have Mickey Gall, who you could just minus the CM Punk victory as a legitimate one. That I mean, it's it was a guy in his first MMA match ever, and it was in the UFC on the biggest stage against a guy that's been in the sport for a long time, even at a young age.
0: Don't disrespect a fighter from the state of New Jersey.
1: I'm not disrespecting him. I I think he's still in his in consideration. <laughs> All but, right. But either way, staying with the local kids, I think the pick for boxing and the breakout star of the year, Joe Smith Jr., a Long Island, New York native. He was born there. He lives there. And he had three fights this year. He won all three of them. The first one was uh, relatively not much fanfare. He beat Fabiano Pena by TKO. But then the next two fights, this guy was almost used as an easy opponent. He was and a stepping stone bo- a stepping Fanfare. stone opponent. And both times, he was able to take it out. Fonfara, as you mentioned, it was for the WBC uh, International Light Heavyweight title. This was for Fonfara to get an easy tune-up opponent before he went out and fought the bigger names in the division. And then you have Bernard Hopkins, who was using him basically as his swan song to give Bernard Hopkins an opponent that they believed matched up well to his style and that he could dominate. And then... What we saw was Bernard Hopkins sailing through the ropes and uh, at the forum in California.
0: Yeah, I mean Joe Smith when he knocked out From far, which was on NBC, by the way on on the Premier Boxing Champions.
1: That which was put on its fair share of good fights this year, even though it's kind of sort of fell off the map.
0: That was a that was an upset. I mean, that was a legitimately uh, that was a legitimate upset. Not just that he won, but a th- when he knocked him out in the first round, right. and he had him hurt, that seem some people may seem have said that that was an early stoppage, but. And Farrow he was done. He was completely done at that point. And
1: even at 52 years old, a lot of and people were picking Bernard Hopkins as the favorite against Joe Smith. Smith was in, the underdog. In spite of seeing what he did to Fonfaro, who at the time was a legitimate contender, knocking him out in the first round. But still, he came in as an underdog. But I have a feeling going into 2017 that Joe Smith Jr. might not be an underdog as often. It might not be used as a stepping stone as often as he was in 2016.
0: Yeah, the first time that Hopkins had ever been stopped was, actually, no, he got TKO'd by Dawson, but that was overturned. So technically, it was the first time he'd been stopped. And
1: you and you have to say that, first of all, Bernard Hopkins, legend of the sport, was 52 years old. But it, it, it still took skill to take him out and dominatingly knock him out the way he Through did. Ring. And Bernard can say, all he wants that he tripped out of the ring and no. sprained his ankle. That did not happen. He <laughs> brutally knocked him out, out of the ring. And that's actually probably a contender for knockout of the year in boxing. It didn't take my w- award, spoiler Neither alert, did I. It
0: did not take mine either. It but. was
1: definitely a contender.
0: All right, so let's get to the biggest disappointment of the year for both sides. We'll start with you.
1: For boxing, for me, it's uh, just 2016 as a whole this year was very disappointing. We really, aside from Kovalev Ward, never got the fights that we wanted to see. It was very rarely often that we saw the best fighting the best. And in general, Kovalev Ward was supposed to be the biggest fight of the year in terms of hype, in terms of promotion. There were better fights this year, and we'll get into that in our Fighter of the fight of the year category. But it's amazing to me that that was supposed to be the biggest fight of the year and yet it drew such little mainstream interest in spite of it being legitimately the two best guys in the division going up against each other. It's really sad for the sport of boxing, and they did produce a good fight, and then of course it has to get tainted by a controversial decision, which we talked about really we didn't think was that controversial to begin with. I I,
0: I mean, I agreed with it.
1: I didn't agree with it, but I could see why it was going toward. I could see at least two or three rounds where they could have given it to him, but I think that's the most disappointing aspect. Where boxing is as a whole is very disappointing for 2016. And hopefully with some of these stars that are starting to emerge, it'll be better in 2017. The British boxing scene is very huge right now. You have Anthony Joshua fighting Klitschko at Wembley Stadium coming up in April, so that should be fun. But let's hope the American boxing scene gets a little bit better as uh, 2017 comes along.
0: I mean, we'll, we'll get to the future, but I'm excited for what's to come in 2017. The potential for Joshua to defeat Klitschko and then possibly face Deontay Wilder.
1: Joshua is really the next hope of the heavyweight division. And he looked dominant against uh, Molina, but Molina's not really an important opponent. But Molina looked afraid when he fought Joshua in that last fight. And then we got to see the showdown between Klitschko and uh, Joshua, which... I'm excited for that fight, and I can't say that very often about the heavyweights. And there's a
0: whole host of things that can happen in 2017 that that really could shake things up. I'm, I'm optimistic, very optimistic, that this will be one of the more exciting years in quite a while. But let's get to the UFC disappointment of the year, and that is the UFC 200 fight card. A year out, they were advertising UFC 200. As the pinnacle of the sport, this would be the Super Bowl. This would be the the time where the stars collide and we celebrate the sport. And then the stars didn't collide. The stars sort of flamed out. Yeah. The, all right. First of all, no Rousey. Connor versus Diaz two, which we may get to later, was supposed to be the main event. Connor shunned the media. That got pulled. Jones-Cormier gets in there. Jones tests positive. Goodbye. Anderson Silva replaces Jones in one of the worst fights of the year. Daniel Cormier took him down 20 times and laid on top of him for the easy win. And then, I mean... the And the main event ends up being Nunes versus Tate, which is fine. But... Just that, is not that what they UFC, were looking for. Is
1: that a UFC 200 main event? That's not the biggest
0: fight in the biggest card in UFC history. Is that
1: the celebration of your sport? Amanda Nunes is a great fighter, and I'm sure we're going to see it tomorrow night. Misha Tate has accomplished a lot in her short time in the UFC in the Bantamweight division, but that's not at all what you want in the main event. And like you said, it was just everything that went wrong, that could have possibly gone wrong, went wrong. And look... You're going to have bad luck sometimes. It's just unfortunate for Dana White and the UFC that all of their bad luck came on what was supposed to be their big night. But I think the silver lining in this is that five pay-per-views later, I think they finally did have that event that celebrated the sport and celebrated them coming into the mainstream and being recognized as really a fabric of the American sports culture now. It was just five pay-per-views late.
0: UFC 205, we won't get to card of the year, but if there was a card of the year, that would be it. had to have been it. Even though 206... Was crazy,
1: like. So we will get good. to
0: that, and yeah. we will get to some stuff with that in a few minutes. And in
1: spite of the main event getting ruined twice, it's still amazing that <laughs> what that card was able to put together.
0: That's really, that really made my Christmas Eve. By the way, to watch that again on Fox.
1: Well, actually, I remember doing the last show with Matt and us saying, "Like, let's hope for the best because everything seems got to be going against this card, and we hope for it, and we got it."
0: All right. So let's look at now the significant awards. First, uh, just the UFC, a UFC-only award because, actually, it, technically, we we can give this to boxing, this submission of the year. How can we give it to boxing? You'll find out in a second. So okay. let's go to the submission of the year in the UFC.
1: Submission of the year in UFC, for me, was, I think a lot of it, was because of significance more than how spectacular it was but submission of the year for me has to go to nate diaz conor mcgregor one Mm. choking out conor mcgregor just the significance of it because nate diaz showed us in that fight that the unflappable seemingly unbeatable conor mcgregor was immortal at least at that time before the second fight happened we were thinking, what's going to happen to Connor And then right after that, Connor came back and obviously had that war in McGregor-Diaz, too. But I think just in terms of significance, that has to be my submission of the year.
0: That's a good one, and mine is significant as well because here is a fact. If Holly Holm gets out of the fifth round with Misha Tate, she would have retained the championship. She was Fair up point. 3-1 on the cards... She was beating her on the feet. Tate got one takedown in the first or second round. That was her win. That was her round. Other than that, it was all Holly. She was going to retain the title. But in the fifth round, Misha Tate, the pinnacle of a legendary career, her defining moment in mixed martial arts when she took her down, took the back, and choked out Holly to win her first and only UFC championship. That was the... UFC Submission of the Year. And the Boxing Submission of the Year goes to Nicholas Walters <laughs> for tapping out against Lomachenko.
1: That has to be a submission, right? I, I think it could uh, count as a form of it. I remember I, I like to focus on that fight more, just the mastery of silly Lomachenko than uh, what Nicholas
0: Walters did. Let's never speak of it again.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I think the the nomos of uh nicholas walters could definitely count as a submission i think roberto duran would agree ah
0: let's go to box let's go to the knockout of the year
1: knockout of the year so this one i'm i'm gonna take the boxing one again here and this one for me was tough i was going through a lot of different uh knockouts this year both
0: by the way these are the most significant
1: ones oh okay yeah so now i'm gonna i'm gonna give you both on this but i'll start with boxing And I went through a lot for both of these then if we're going to talk about UFC and boxing here. And actually, I'm going to give it to Deontay Wilder when he KO'd, I can't even say this guy's name, Arthur Spilicka, Spilicka, Spilicka. But anyway, I'm a huge fan of Deontay Wilder. He's one of the most powerful punchers in boxing regardless of division. And I think... He's had the opportunities to really show himself, but I think he's going to get more opportunities as 2017 comes, possibly if Joshua can get Patch Klitschko. That's going to be a huge matchup if Wilder and Joshua ever get in the ring together. But obviously this guy Spitzer wasn't a quality opponent, but that doesn't take away how amazing this knockout was. If you're looking it up over there, James, it was he ducked a punch, Wilder, and landed one of the swifter right hooks you'll ever see. And this guy, a laid on the ground with his arms outstretched. The referee got to the count of four before he realized this guy's not moving. He did not move a muscle after he got knocked out by Deontay Wilder. And I always think the heavyweight knockouts are the best knockouts. They are.
0: They pack the most punch.
1: Uh, so then for my UFC... Unless you want to do your boxing in response to mine, uh, then I'll we'll totally do the boxing. Do you're going to do yours together. You know what? I wanted
0: to pick Conillo so bad. Oh, when can he I- knocked out Khan. it was sick. That it was, was cool. sick. That was a legitimate stand up, out of your chair, hand on the head moment.
1: I can guarantee but why you're not going to pick it. I'm not. I know why.
0: Because this one from Hassan Nadam. Not too long ago, on December seventeenth, wrapped it all up. Two reasons. Oh my God, this was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, that he's fighting
0: Alfonso Blanco, the Venezuelan, for the interim middleweight title, and he throws one punch, and then he throws another punch, and Blanco was—I mean, he fell like a tree. He fell face first. Onto the bat, it was a slow motion London bridge type deal. <laughs> it looked like have have you ever seen one of those stadium implosions videos? Yeah. Like when they take an old stadium and they implode it and they you just see the whole building just collapse That's on, that on itself. That's exactly what happened to Alfonso Blanco at the hands of Hassan Nadam, who's an excellent fighter and will deserve a title shot. Another title shot, by the way, coming up soon. Yeah. And that was just unbelievable. I was going to go with Canelo, but that wrapped it up. That one was
1: in consideration for me. And the reason I actually thought, aside from this other knockout existing, that you weren't going to go with Canelo, Amir Khan, is that. How many times has Amir Khan spectacularly been knocked out? Oh yeah, the there's... guy might have the worst chin in boxing. <laughs> oh, yeah, history. his
0: chin is suspect. He got knocked out by Brutus Prescott, by Danny Garcia, everyone.
1: by uh, yeah. So he's a really skilled fighter, and I admire him a lot. His work. He's got one of the quickest hands in boxing. Some of the quickest hands, but my God, this guy really has trouble taking a punch, and that's why I would uh, not give him the knockout of the year. Canelo, at least. <laughs> But then uh, moving to the UFC for me. So for the UFC, I think the the criteria is a lot different when it comes to knockout of the year. For me, knockout of the year in the UFC is a mix of style points and brutality. Because the UFC, it's not just your fists. You could use whatever you want to take these guys down.
0: <laughs> so Not whatever you want.
1: Uh, for, uh, yeah, well, not whatever I want. but Whatever you want, you know, hands and feet wise and knees and all that stuff. But... This one for me doesn't have a lot of significance, but it still gets my knockout of the year. There were a couple of knockouts this year that had a lot more significance. Miocic over Ferdum, Woodley knocking out Robbie Lawler. Those were both huge in terms of significance, but i got to give mine to Yair Rodriguez, a jumping roundhouse kick to the face. It was at UFC 197. He's 5-0 and in the UFC. He's still a prospect. He knocked out Andre Feely. you got look to this, look this one up. It's a jumping roundhouse kick to the face. Unbelievable. One of the most creative knockouts I've ever seen. And the now-retiring Mike Goldberg, after UFC 207, said on the broadcast that that was one of the most spectacular knockouts he's ever seen, and he's been doing UFC for quite the long time. And now, I think that knockout in itself has given Rodriguez a lot more notoriety, because Guess who he's fighting at UFC Fight Night 103? BJ Penn, the legend of MMA. So it's given the him prodigy. a prodigy. Really, it's given him a really high-profile fight, and I think the knockout was a part of that because it was so spectacular.
0: Degree of difficulty is a big one. Is a big criteria for me.
1: The hardest
0: thing you can do in MMA is land the spinning heel kick. If you there have been so few, it's like a done assisted triple play. When Lando Venata knocked out Mac Desi, at I don't want to by the way, both of my both of these were in dis both of my boxing and UFC knockouts of the year were in December. Please don't think that I didn't consider the entire You're not doing year. Your homework. <laughs> Please don't think that I didn't consider the entire year. I believe you James. But my goodness. MacDessie fell like a tree. A spinning heel kick knockout. That I think is should automatically be a knockout of the year every time it happens.
1: Yeah, I also briefly considered that one as well. And I kind of had a feeling you were going to choose that one because... Just looking on the internet and looking what a lot of people picked for theirs. Oh, I don't websites. even listen. I don't listen to those guys. I know. I just didn't want to be like that one more guy that chooses the spinning wheel, the spinning heel kick. But I watched it. I agree with you. Unbelievable. And you don't see it that often either. And that fits my style points as well.
0: That, that's what uh, Edson Barbosa did to Terry Edom back a few years ago. And just, just wow. So let's go to the big ones.
1: Fight of the year. Fight of the year. This one is, the I think, the most fun to pick because you get to look back at some of these unbelievable fights that we saw this year. And there were a few that I considered, beginning with the UFC. But unbelievably, I ended up with one from the last pay-per-view, and that's uh, <laughs> Doho Choi and Cub <laughs> Swanson. And once again, this is another one I remember talking about with Matt about on the 206 preview show, was that we said that this had the potential to be fight of the night we didn't know it had potential to be fight of the year because these guys it was like watching a fight and fast forward the speed with which they were trading shots jockeying for positioning on the ground almost 90% of the fight was fought in close it was it was unbelievable and uh it's it's not something you see very often in the stand up in UFC
0: now that was so that fight i mean Watching that again on Christmas Eve night. Even even my dad, who's not even a big UFC fan, was just saying how crazy it was.
1: You knew this was going had the potential. Cub's one of the better boxers in the featherweight division. Choi had built that reputation for those extremely quick strikes, and it was just two great strikers not given an inch.
0: My fight of the year is not that. My fight of the year I love drama in fights.
1: Oh, it's a big You part. can
0: you can go I mean any two guys can throw hands and slug it out, and the crowd goes crazy. But in terms of drama, that's where you've got more than just a fight on the line. That's where you've got legacies, reputations, being the greatest of all time, and combining that with a slugfest, a war of attrition. And that was what McGregor-Diaz, too, was. Absolutely. And that is my fight of the year, not because it was a slugfest and a war, because it was, but because of the drama, because of how close it was, and because of what was on the line. That, that that to me, was, is my fight of the year.
1: And it's uh, definitely not at all a bad choice, because that was probably my second choice for fight of the year, and then I had it locked down as fight of the year, and then 206 comes along and steals it away, but you're right. It had much more drama than a Doho choi Cub swanson fight in the middle rankings of the featherweight division could ever have because it had all those elements. It had Conor McGregor seeking redemption for his first loss in the UFC after looking beatable for the first time. He comes back and that that 's just the sign of a champion that he loses to Nate Diaz and immediately wants a rematch immediately wants to prove that he can beat him he doesn 't hide for a year like Ronda Rousey did oh not to boy. call her out but <laughs> he doesn't uh he doesn 't hide for a year he immediately wants to fight him again, and it, it had a lot of significance behind it and like you said it it wasn 't uh by any means a boring fight or them just tra just trading boring exchanges. This was another slugfest, much like Doho Choi and Cup Swanson was and plus it had all that stuff behind it. But I think Choi and Swanson edged them out just because of how insane the fight itself was in terms of the shots that they were exchanging and how fast it was.
0: So let's get to the fisticuffs.
1: Boxing, fight of the year. Not much to choose from this year. I thought Andre Ward and Kovalev was a good fight. but I don't think it had the potential for fight of the year. I thought it was enjoyable, but for me... This one takes place just a train ride away at the Barclays Center. It was under the PBC banner. Oh, yeah. And Leo Santa Cruz and Carl Frompton. Frompton being the uh, ESPN Fighter of the Year for boxing, and we'll get to our fighters of the year in a second. But for me, and it was the Fight of the Year. And because even before the opening bell happened, Barclays Center, which is becoming really the fight arena of the East Coast, it had a large and loud New York-Irish contingent there, and they were... Absolutely insane, even before the bell rang, they were ravenous to see Frompton win and Then when these two guys delivered the fight that they did the the crowd ate it up. They were already going crazy before the fight even started and then you have a fight that was hundred miles per hour for the opening bell. How often do you hear a crowd as invested as they were the first and second round of that fight? A big portion of it, like I just like the Doho Choi and Cup Swanson fight, was in close space. And then there's that old expression they use in boxing that they could have had this fight in a phone book, and I think that was... Uh, in a phone booth, not phone book. Those are my favorite fights. Phone booth, and uh, that was extremely apropos for uh, Leo Santa Cruz and yeah. Carl Froch.
0: Yeah, those are my favorite fights when there's no need for the referee to even step in to break the fighters. That... Yeah, I maybe wanna, there was
1: one clinch the whole fight. I want to
0: give it a tie because I want to talk about Francisco Vargas for a second. He... Every time he steps into the ring, it's just a masterpiece. And he is going, and he's stepping into the ring on the twenty eighth on HBO to defend his championship again in the featherweight division. But when he took on Orlando Salida in 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 L.A. at the at the car at Carson in Carson, California, at the StubHub Center. Which, it's still called the StubHub Center, that's right. I believe so. I mean, those guys just go at it. Francisco Vargas, he is the kind of guy that a lot of fighters should take after. To go by a reputation. you ha- He has the reputation, and so does Orlando, of just stepping in there and going 100 miles an hour, all at it. That fight was a draw, but we were all the winners. But I... Still have to go with Carl Frampton. Uh, I still going with Carl Frampton for all the reasons that you said.
1: So you are going. You're you are going yes. Because
0: pick. I just I just wanted to recognize that one. Well, also we,
1: another person, another fight we can mention was Keith Thurman and Sean Porter. It was a good one. Just I, a month. It was a very good one. Yeah, I Barclay Center, which, which
0: I you. did attend. Right. And it was a great fight and a great atmosphere in Brooklyn, but the rematch is coming up. Between Frampton and Santa Cruz Can't wait We will be all over that one And now for the Big Kahuna The Fighter of the Year And just really quick uh, I want to recognize the Female Fighters of the Year We actually could get to that in a little bit Actually, so hang on on with that Because I think that plays into 207 a little bit But the Uh Fighter of the Year in both boxing and mixed martial arts. Tom, it's yours.
1: I'll start with boxing. And I mentioned just a couple minutes ago that ESPN gave their fighter of the year to Carl Frampton. Some of the other boxing organizations like Ring Magazine, they haven't given out their boxer, their fighter of the year yet, but we're going to give ours out right now. And unfortunately for Carl Frompton, as much as I respect him, I'm going to respectfully disagree with ESPN and give... In spite of his very low fight total thus far at seven and one, Vasily Lomachenko for me was the fight of the year, be fighter of the year, because when I think of fighter of the year, whether it be in boxing or UFC, I think of someone that absolutely dominated and outclassed the competition when they were inside the ring. One, two, the competition could not be a joke. You could not. Anyone can go out there and outclass these guys that are journeymen or no names. So there has to be good competition, and they have to be on a big stage. And all three of those things, I think, apply to what Vasily Lomachenko's 2016 was, because he only had two fights this year, but I think they were both against extremely high quality competition, and he made them look like amateurs, starting. With uh, Roman Rocky Martinez, where he won the WBO Super Featherweight title, that one was a train ride away at Madison Square Garden. Up at that point, Roman Rocky Martinez, he was once again a big prospect, somebody that they considered to be a threat to Lomachenko. He had beaten Orlando Salido twice in the lead up to the Lomachenko fight, who another guy is a another guy who was was a big deal at that point. And then, as we've already touched on just a month ago, Nicholas Walters, who was a guy that had beaten Nonito Donaire, who was one of the bigger names of the lower weight division classes for many, many years. And then Walters gets beaten and outclassed so bad by Vasily Lomachenko, he has to quit or submit, as you said, (laughs) in the corner. So, Carl Frampton had a great year. He had a great fight against Leo Santa Cruz, but some could say Leo Santa Cruz could have beaten him by decision. Some could have given that decision to Santa Cruz. So I'm not sure if, if that's enough. You were in this great fight, but I'm not sure if that's enough for fighter of the year. He also beat Scott Quigg, but Quigg is more of a local guy. He's from the U.K. He's not a huge name. So for me, I, I, that's why I think Lomachenko was separated from Frompton.
0: I like, those cri- I like that criteria, by the way. Dominance, quality of opponent, and the stage. And every time Terrence Bud Crawford stepped into the ring, the stage was his. What he did that night to Victor Postal in a fight that I thought would be close, in a fight that was good enough to be on a pay-per-view and to legitimately be on pay-per-view, in my opinion, what he did was just systematically beat him to a pulp in as lopsided a 12-round decision as could possibly be every time he steps in there you just think this is if you were to build the perfect boxer it would be bud crawford
1: and terence crawford was my second choice for Fighter of the year i had frompton third and once again you're absolutely right victor postal at coming into that fight was considered probably the second number two guy in the division at that point easily and Crawford annihilated him, much like Lomachenko annihilated Rocky Martinez and Nicholas Walters. What sets him back for me, Crawford, is, and I think perennially perennially he'll always be in the fighter of the year conversation. He's just that good. I think the John Molina Jr. was a waste of a fight because he missed weight. He really wasn't a threat at all. This was more of just a tune-up fight. He beat the bigger man, though. That's true. And Lundy, also Henry Lundy, his first fight of 2016. Hank Lundy. Henry or Hank Lundy. Wasn't really Again, a huge fight. Lundy doesn't really have that many notable names on his resume. So, yes, he bit, beat Victor Postal, who was one or two in the division at that point. I think Lomachenko has two huge wins against two names that were really considered to be legitimate this year. And he dominated both of them, as opposed to Terrence Crawford, who, has Victor Postal, he has one name that he dominated. All right. So now for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. For the Ultimate Fighting Championship... I tossed around with this one as well a lot and came down to three names for me. Stipe Miocic, the world heavyweight champion, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, and Conor McGregor. So I eliminated McGregor right off the bat because he has a loss this year, and I cannot give a fighter of the year to somebody who has a loss, even if he won and became the first UFC fighter to have two world championships at the same time. I eliminated Miocic because as much as the Verdun victory was great I thought Overeem was really over the hill and really wasn't that big of a win for him. For me in term, once again, in terms of dominance Donald Cerrone dominated 2016 4-0, finished all four of the fights and he looked absolutely dominant in each one of them and in terms of guys that you're looking forward to what they're going to do in 2017 you can't think of somebody better than Donald Cerrone. His
0: year, I mean the second he moved up to one seventy he
1: became an animal
0: he became an animal now, I like to look at not just what the fighter did in the cage but the significance of the of what the fighter does in the cage and by the way let's let's look back at what Michael Bisping did this year because he is my close second for Fighter of the Year beating Anderson Silva in one of the better fights of the year in a in that close decision pulling the upset of the year which we which we didn't say but it's it's bisping pulling the upset of the year in beating Rockhold and then defending it then actually defending the title against Hendo regardless of how old Hendo is that was still a war he had the best year of his long career and he should be recognized, but there's a reason why it's Conor McGregor.
1: Ooh. There's a
0: reason why Conor McGregor has to be
1: well, he was in consideration, the but.
0: fighter of the year. This is a guy that, in a four-month span, put on the two most bought pay-per-views of all time in the UFC.
1: Four months. Are we talking about money and buy rates here? Or are we talking, We're talking about, about buy in r- the octagon? We're
0: talking about buy rates.
1: Well, then, if I was going to say, if it's about but money, it's about reason. buy rates, it's Conor. Absolutely.
0: The, but there, there's, there's he, his sellability, his marketability, his charisma is, is all there. But I just love fighters that are motivated, that breathe winning. What he did to get up off the canvas demand the rematch against Diaz go up in weight to 170 fa- to 170 pounds to get that rematch and then to survive a five round war and then beat him was the best, was the biggest accomplishment that anybody has had this year and then of course Eddie Alvarez just was a was a him. was a punching bag and that was in front of the largest crowd In the U.S. in mixed martial arts history, the biggest gate in UFC and MSG history, the most watched pay-per-view of all time, and the loudest crowd reaction that I have ever heard in my life, bar none, was that fight.
1: Uh, Once again, he was in my top three, so again, hard to argue with that. I just couldn't really rationalize giving someone with a loss fighter of the year but he came back he beat him it wasn't like it was easy when he rolled over and it was not like he rolled over Nate Diaz in the second fight went to decision and then of course he had the amazing historic accomplishment of being the first UFC fighter to hold two weight division belts at the same time you know what though,
0: guys lose
1: no I, I know that but how often does a fighter of the year have a loss how often this often I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like if you look back in boxing, especially they've been giving out this award in boxing for years. Ring Magazine's been doing it for years. ESPN Boxing. A lot of the time, they don't give it to guys that lost, and I, I get it.
0: I know, and I, I and I understand that. But today, you know, there has. I just have to make an exception. There was nobody bigger in combat oh, sports he's, in I 2016 lo- than Conor. Don't get me Connor. wrong.
1: I love Conor McGregor, and I can't wait to see him fight again. Hopefully not against Floyd Mayweather, but hopefully against a real UFC competitor like Khabib Nurmagomedov. I would love to see a fight like that. So hopefully it's not against Floyd, which would really be a, sl- a sideshow. We could probably have a whole show talking about that, though.
0: So those are our awards. But, of course, all are subject to change as we still are not done with 2016. One more to go. Tomorrow night, UFC 207, the return of... Of Ronda Rousey on every commercial versus Amanda Nunez. <laughs> Joe Rogan has talked about it. He's kind of right. All the promos don't have Nunez in it. <laughs> and We'll get to that fight, but a bit of disrespect bit. for the deserved champion of the world.
1: UFC knows what they're doing. They know that the casual fan is buying this pay-per-view for one reason and one reason only, and that's to see Ronda Rousey. I do think it's still very disrespectful that they can't even put the champion in any of these promos. At least you can still make the promo Ronda Rousey-centered, but why not even include Amanda Nunes in them is beyond me. When that first promo came out on the UFC's YouTube page, it was all over the Internet. It was Ronda Rousey returns. It was this dramatic pro-wrestling-style promo. And the only mention of Amanda Nunes, she flashed up on a television screen that Ronda was watching. Um, Ronda Rousey will face Amanda Nunes at UFC 207. That was the only mention of her in the whole promo. So it's like, come on. Real quick, last award,
0: biggest weight misser of the year, Johnny Hendricks misses weight again today. Big Rig is once again Bigger Rig. (laughs) And... His future it has to be in jeopardy.
1: I mean, you you got to move weight weight classes. How is he weight?
0: not moved up yet?
1: I don't know. It, it's he
0: after his fight with Woodley got pulled. Dana White goes. He's definitely not fighting at one seventy again. UFC two hundred. Gastelum one seventy. He misses weight, and now today, in his fight against Neil Magney for tomorrow night, he misses weight. It's
1: it's it's. I don't know. Maybe he has aspirations in the division in the one hundred oh, yeah. pound. Oh, there's,
0: of course there's aspirations. He's fought, have... He fought one of the closest title fights ever against George St. Pierre, lost a heartbreaking decision, stayed with it, but now he's older, and when you get older, you just can't cut the weight like you used to. That's a fact.
1: Even when you're young, cutting weight is, is one of the hardest aspects of combat sports. So...
0: That fight is still going on. He's losing his purse, but doesn't matter. He he should never, ever weigh in at 170 pounds again. So let's look at some of the main fights. By the way, one last award as well. Most injured, Cain Velasquez. Once again, he is out against Fabricio because guess what? He cannot stand up for more than 10 minutes at a time thanks to the bone spurs.
1: That is extremely painful regardless of the circumstance. My God.
0: And guess what? He is stupid enough to admit that to the media. He wanted to fight. He should have just said, oh, I'm fine. But no, he's like, oh, yeah, I've got X, Y, Z injury. But, yeah, my doctor cleared me to fight.
1: Wh- yeah, what was, was he stupid. thinking? What
0: did he think would happen?
1: And it was admirable of him, admirable of him to still want to fight. In spite oh, of course of injuries, you want to fight. And then he was dumb in giving it away,
0: so I'm not sure why he uh, did that. That was, that was a major league head-scratcher. But a fighter that I love, that did make weight today, by the way, despite some people saying he might not, was the man with the hands of stone, John Lineker, who will take on TJ Dillashaw for... To in the title eliminator tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, technically like a number one contender's yes. match.
0: Don't count him out.
1: No, he's he's number two in the division. But also a lot of people call TJ Dillashaw the uncrowned champion at this no. point. because uh, they a lot of people thought the decision against Cruz, where Cruz took his belt away, was a controversial decision. It was.
0: And a lot of people thought... That TJ should be the one fighting
1: yeah, he's already, tomorrow. Yeah, he's already beaten John Dodson, who was another <sighs> big contender. But then he sees that he's not going to get the fight, so he has to fight the number two guy in the division. He, D, D, TJ, you got to give him credit. He's doing everything the right way. He's going through everyone he's supposed to beat in order to earn that title shot.
0: And I think he will earn it. I love John. I love his power. But ultimately, the skill and the technical prowess of TJ... That's just going to shine through.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's a really unorthodox fighter, Dillashaw, in the way that he fights. He throws an insanely high volume of punches, which means he might take some shots here and there, but he has a good enough chin. and I think Lineker, Link, Lineker whose best quality is probably a striking, I still think Dillashaw is a better striker than him. So that'll take us, I think, to a stoppage in the second round is my prediction for that Ooh. because I think They both will want to stand and trade, and Dillashaw is a much better striker than Lineker in terms of volume and power.
0: All right, so the title fight in the bantamweight division. Dominic Cruz and Cody Garbrandt, no love, and there has been no love lost between them this week. My God. How about
1: that interview where he ran
0: Oh, my God. You know what? Enough with the garbage, man. If you're Cody... You. This happened at two oh six, when they were put face to When they were put on the split screen, it happened in that interview. I mean, at some point, I don't know if he's in his head.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure what's going on, but it makes sense because Cruz. Look at the guys. And the whole thing with a girlfriend. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Look at
1: the guys that Cruz has taken out. He's taken out so many guys from Team Alpha Male. He's taken out the founder, Uriah Faber. He took out Joseph Benavidez. He's taken out so many guys. And just recently, TJ Gillishaw, albeit a little controversial. But he's taken out, he's beaten all of these guys. And maybe it's starting to have an effect on Garbrand a little bit.
0: And the war of words, I mean, yeah, with the girlfriend, that's one thing. I'm going to be honest. I was going to pick Garbrand. In this fight I was dead set On picking the upset Until I saw That video With the interview Now I'm thinking You know what Maybe the focus Isn't as much On the task at hand For no love Maybe it's It's just Maybe he's You know I didn't see Rogue One yet
1: I did meant Tremendous film
0: But You know how they always say That when you fight, the Jedi always doesn't fight with anger. The Sith always fight with anger. You know, when you fight with pure hatred and anger in the cage, a lot of times it gets you off your game plan, and I'm afraid that that's what's going to happen to Cody. I think Cody does is a legitimate title contender. A lot of people don't think so. A lot of people don't think that he deserves this title shot. Maybe he didn't at the moment, but that does not mean he cannot win this fight because he absolutely can. He has killed everyone he has faced. And I wish, and I, I'm i still going to pick Cody to beat the Dominator, to upset him in a, in a massive upset because I just love his upside. But I am skeptical on where his head is.
1: Well, you talk about the mental side of it. The great Yogi Berra said this game's 90% mental, the other half's physical. Because it's very true in all sports. (laughs) Because you have to have a certain type of mental mindset no matter what sport you're playing. And especially in combat sports, you need to have a certain mindset going in on top of all of the physical attributes that you need to have and all the training that you've done. And absolutely, I think that's going to play into how Garbrandt is going to fight tomorrow night. And it's hard for these guys to fight angry. Some of them it works well. Mike Tyson, he looked like he was angry all the time every time he went in the ring, but he said he never was angry. He just wanted to make his opponent look feel like Mike Tyson was angry, wanted to make the fans feel like he was angry, the commentators to think he was angry. He looked like he was the angriest guy in the world, but he said in interviews he never went in actually angry in the ring many times. Evander Holyfield made him angry. That's what caused him to bite his (laughs) ear off, but that's beside the point. Some guys it works when you're looking angry going into the ring. Other guys it doesn't, and it might not work for Garbrandt, but if you look at the matchup as a whole, I don't even think other than mental, I don't think the physical and the way these two guys fights is going to favor him either, because I think Cruz has a great chin, I think he has really great head movement, he's hard to hit as it is, look, garbrandt has been unstoppable in his time in the UFC he hasn't faced that much competition though which is also something that I have to think about if he can't finish Cruz in the first round, I don't first or second round, I don't think he wins this fight and I don't believe he can finish Cruz in the first and second round
0: well we will and and Garbrandt's a significant underdog. Cruz comes in at minus two twenty five. Garbrandt at plus one seventy five. So I am take. I am reaching here for the upset. But you know what? I just I watching him. It, it, he. I just love his upside. I really do. I don't know why, but I just really. Well, I, there's obviously I a mean, reason. Yeah, I know why. Yeah. So now the main event: Ronda Rousey. The greatest women's fighter of all time against the Lioness, Amanda Nunez. By the way, the odds in this fight, Rousey is short, a small favorite, minus 150. The Lioness, plus 120. And obviously, mental state is a big factor in this one. Who yeah, we knows were, where Ronda's head is? We were
1: talking about mental state for Cruz and Gartland. Garbrandt. Garbrandt, Garbrand, excuse me. But what about this fight? The Almost the entirety of this build has been about mental state, about how Rousey is not doing any media at all in the lead-up to the fight. And a lot of people speculating what that means. And maybe it means her mental state isn't where it should be, or it means she's laser-focused. Almost everything about the hype for this fight has been mental. Almost none of it about, has been about the actual physical matchup between the two people. And for me, mental state, it like I said with the other fight, it does mean a lot. But we also have to talk about how these two match up together and I think we'll get into that.
0: Is she motivated though? Is she ready to go? Is she fired up? Is she living and breathing taking back her title? Because if she really was if she really is motivated, what took her so long? That's she got question. knocked out.
1: Embarrassingly got knocked she out. She got
0: knocked out a year late over a year later she comes back and you know compare that compare that to what Connor did you know what Connor took that loss and it fueled him to his victory but i just don't know how motivated she is you know maybe she is maybe she needed the time off to get her head straight to to get her priority straight so we'll see but of course that's the main question here
1: it's just where she's at you know and like you said it could be very possible that she just needed that time off to get in the correct mental state? Or is it that she doesn't, re- doesn't really want the belt that bad and she didn't pull a Conor McGregor and go right after the belt again? We're not going to know until she steps inside the octagon against the champion tomorrow night. And then we'll finally see, and all these questions will come to rest.
0: So we all remember what happened at UFC 200. Amanda destroyed Misha. She um, did.
1: I think Misha. I mean,
0: Misha's not a great striker. We all know that.
1: And neither is Ronda, at least the one we're basing the Holly Holm loss on and all the fights before that on.
0: But I mean, I think, you know, let's get to our predictions because I'll say what I think in a second. Who do you have?
1: I, as much as I'm a Ronda Rousey fan, and believe it or not, There are a lot of people out there that are hating on Ronda Rousey coming into this fight. You go online, any YouTube video related to Rousey, 90% of the comments are negative towards the Rowdy one, named (laughs) after the Rowdy Rowdy Piper, the legendary WWE wrestler, as we'll get another uh, reference in there. But I don't know why a lot of people hate her, but I'm not a hater of hers, but I don't think she pulls it out. And not all of this is based on mental. Amanda Nunes is another great striker and she exposed that against Misha Tate. Misha Tate wasn't a great striker, and Nunez kicked the crap out of her. Misha Tate probably had the best night of her life to win the title, and then maybe she wasn't a deserving champion at the point, but regardless, Nunez exposed her. And for me, I'm a big believer in warm-up fights, tune-up fights. I don't believe someone like Rousey can be out of the sport for 11 months and then expect to come back and beat the champion of the world. Look what happened with Nicholas Walters against Lomachenko. Walters blamed that loss on the fact that he wasn't active or didn't have tune-up fights. Obviously, that was not the main reason, but I think it does have a factor. When you're not in the ring, when you're not in the octagon for a really long time and are expected to compete at the highest level, it's difficult to do. Walters, by no means, was a joke, but Vasily Lomachenko is one of the best fighters in the world right now, and Ronda Rousey... Has been out of the octagon, out of MMA for a long time, and she's expected to come back and beat the champion of the world. That's a tough task for me. You
0: know, I talked about before the female, the, the, mentioned the female fighter of the year. Right now, our female, my female fighter of the year is Joanna Zurjecek. However, great choice. If Amanda Nunes wins tomorrow, it will be her. And I believe that is what will happen. I think that Ronda is motivated to take her belt back. I think she has found the fire again.
1: She was in great shape today. The she weigh-in. was.
0: I think she's found the fire again. And the not talking to the media, I think, is a marketing ploy. If anything... To just to anti- just to hype the fight and even it's more. It's
1: like reverse psychology because she's not talking to the media, yet she's gaining all of this media hype for her not talking to the media. So it's, it's working in her favor.
0: I don't think that any of those factors will play a hand in her defeat tomorrow. What I believe will play a factor is the fact that at this very moment, Amanda Nunes is better at mixed martial arts than Ronda Rousey is.
1: And that's what I think the analysis should center on, not about the mental state.
0: She is a better striker than Ronda. She's a jujitsu practitioner. If she stays on the feet, there's no way. I, there's no win. way, Ronda can win. And Ronda has only won one fight, of hers. Excuse me, two fights. She's only won two fights, out of all of her victories on the feet.
1: And neither of them were to the quality. At least Amanda in Nunes. Sh- yes.
0: So, really, all the all Amanda should be working on is how to defend the clinch how to defend the takedown, how to defend the judo throw. If she does that and she's had a while to prepare for this one because she already faced a grappler in Misha Tate, I just don't see how Ronda can pull this one off.
1: I want Rhonda to prove me wrong. I want her to have improved considerably in all this time off with her stand-up. I just don't think it's a possibility. I'm right there with you. And the layoff also, i like I said, hurts a lot.
0: So that is our prediction for tomorrow night, and that is going to wrap it up for our year-end show. And what a a show it's been, and what a year it's been.
1: It was a packed show, but it's been a great year of talking boxing and MMA with you, James, and now another full year to come.